Hi everyone, it's Zoe from U Studio for another podcast on podcasting episode. And today we are excited to have Tiffany Fisher and Lauren Shanley from Pega Systems with us. So, ladies, first of all, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thanks, Zoe. Happy to be here. So, I recently saw a post on LinkedIn that you guys had made, and it seemed like you know, within the first week of launch, you guys already had received some amazing feedback and progress. So I really just wanted to reach out and hear more about your story, just more about your strategy that could hopefully benefit others who are looking to get started. So if you want to go ahead to start and just introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your roles and maybe what your path to podcasting looked like. I'd be more than happy to do that. A little bit about why we chose to implement podcasts at Pega Systems. It's a longer story than from when I started. I joined Pega in August of 2019, and Lauren joined the company before then, so she'd been here longer than I had been. One of the things that we were really looking to do when it came to our sales communications and the way we enable them was to meet them where they are. And that's not in front of their PCs every day at a desk. They are busy people there on the road all the time. So planes, trains, automobiles, what was a really good mechanism where we could create content that they could consume easily while on the road, while doing other things. And we felt really passionately that podcasts were the best way to do that. We're both avid podcast consumers ourselves. We each have our own favorites. And we thought if we could bring that same energy into the workplace and use it for enterprise and for sales, then we might be able to hit a home run there. As far as the team that's involved in Pegasystems podcasting, is it just you two girls? How do you fit in? Yeah, it's a small but mighty team of the two of us. So I'm the director for sales strategy and transformation and specifically focused on sales events and communications. And Lauren has a very similar title as well as a manager and does a lot of really great prop program execution and delivery. And she's also kind of our voice of the field as somebody who used to be a salesperson. She has a really great perspective on what resonates and what salespeople are really looking for when when you communicate with them and what kind of feedback you should be seeking. So it's the two of us right now. We've done a very good job of bringing in experts that we have internally to help with editing. So we have somebody who actually hosts podcasts in his spare time and has been a really great technical resource for us on production and editing. We've worked very closely with our IT folks, right, to get everything set up from SSO and how to enable the podcast application within our firewalls. And then we have a huge collection of talent internally that provides us with content, material, just everything that we need to get the right stories in front of our our selling teams globally with information that they can use and consume. So before podcasting, were you guys reaching your sales teams who were on the road in any different way? Or would you say that training and things like that were only in office? I would say they weren't necessarily face-to-face in office, right? It wasn't always in person, although there is that element of training, and that's still really important. A lot of people learn really well when they're in the room with an instructor and their peers. So we still offer that. We were doing a lot of virtual webinar-based training, so live dial-ins, fixed time, same day, same, same hour, 
And it was convenient for, frankly, for those of us in headquarters. It wasn't as convenient for our folks that are out in different time zones, different parts of the world. So we recognized there's a time and a place for that. And of course, you know, it's it's replayable. It's on. It can be done on demand. But we wanted to add podcasts as a way to, again, like I said, meet the field where they are, wherever they are, and whatever time of day. So we've been able to use kind of this three-legged stool approach where we still maintain a webinar, but we've cut that back. It used to be weekly. Now it's monthly and really focus the topics on material that has to be consumed with visuals. So we've set some really good boundaries around that. We still do in-person training, especially for our new hires or for those going through specific workshops on sales skills that still needs to be done face-to-face and with some interaction with their peers and, and experts. But then we've added the podcasts to do more of the ability for the sales teams to tell their own stories to one another and share them and share learnings globally. That's the one that Lauren hosts for us, and she does a fabulous job. And then I've been hosting one around our competitive insights and how to go to market, who else is out there, and how our sales teams can show up with the right level of competitive insights to go and attack those deals. Awesome. So you have these two shows. Would you want to expand on just like the overall taxonomy of the program as a whole? So how many shows do you have? How many topics are you usually looking at? Or is it just those two shows for right now? Right now, it's those two shows. And then we've also created a third show called Bonus Content. What we did was we piloted the podcast platform initially with a smaller group of sales leaders and their account executives, and then with our internal sales effectiveness folks so that we could all consume some initial material. Tell us if Lauren and I were actually doing this well. (laughs) I think that was a big one. We'd never done podcasting before. So we wanted to kind of try it out. And so a lot of that content then has moved into bonus content. But we direct the sellers into the two channels we have around win stories and competitive insights. We'd love to expand. So to answer the earlier question, we have a lot of interest now that we've launched this. We did a big splashy launch at our sales kickoff earlier in January, and it was received really, really well. What does a splashy launch look like? Smashy Launch looks like we had a dedicated help kiosk just for podcasts. We ran a competition. So we wanted to get, I think, 475 was Lauren's quota, former salesperson. She has to carry a quota to get them signed up and using the application. We actually exceeded that number. And then we had a prize drawing for um, a pair of AirPods. Which, you know, salespeople, they like to win things. So I think that helps stoke the fire. And we were very clear with them on what, you know, how to do this, what it was doing for them, why we went with podcasts. And I think that really, really generated a lot of buzz. And it had been something that they had been asking for. So not just, hey, we think this is a cool idea. We thought it up and then it was backed by the feedback from the field saying, yes, this is definitely a a channel or a medium that we want to consume information from. So we made it big. We made it happen at sales kickoff where they're all gathered together the one time of year, right? That we get the global sales organization together. And that's when we pushed it out. And I think capturing that energy was, was really critical for us to get that adoption. We're now over 500 users and growing every day. Wow, that's awesome. What is the frequency? How often are you guys publishing content? So we've been committed to at least a weekly publication cadence. So we did an adjustment to our overall like enablement 
roadmap to accommodate podcasts. So we still do our webinars that I talked about earlier, the dial in, be in front of your PC Q&A session. And those are now just the first Friday of a month. And then we fill in the rest of the weeks with podcast material. So Lauren and I are committed to launching one of her win stories and then one of my competitive chats and potentially even another one if we have enough content built up. Like I said, we've got some very enthusiastic people, not just as users of the podcasts out in the field, but also people that want to contribute and that want to provide that information to the field. And they also see podcasting as a really great way to get those messages out to them. So, you know, we have an editorial calendar that that Lauren has done a great job of pulling together for us and managing. And then we just, we also look at kind of, you know, what are what are the key things happening in a particular quarter? What are some key trends that we need to key in on with the field? How are we going to market and how can a podcast help support that so the field understands what they need to go do when they're out there selling? So that's kind of where we've left it for now. I think as this starts to expand, we'll have to figure out how to scale both our team and the way that we we encourage people to tell their own stories. So what I'd love to get to as a future state is creating sort of a DIY model for the way that we do podcasting here at Pega and encourage folks to, hey, if you have a story and you know how to tell it and we can coach you and guide you, then you can go into the studio and record it. And then we'll just go through and and make sure that we're aligning the messaging to the timing to what the sales teams really need. And what is the process now if someone is interested in speaking? Is it kind of the same thing where they, they reach out to you guys and you bring them into wherever you record and allow them to share? Or is it a little more strict? <laughs> it's not It's not too scientific because we're just figuring this out. For me, and I, I think Lauren would echo this, the important thing is to get people excited to participate. Right. So I'm not immediately the person that's like, I like to say no. But in this case, I love to tell people yes. And how can we figure out to fit this in? So we've done a lot of engagement with our internal experts and Lauren with her contacts out in the sales organization with account executives that she knows really well, or, you know, we'll talk to maybe a sales leader and they'll say something really insightful about the way somebody won a story. And maybe I'll hear it and say, hey, Lauren, that would be really great for one of your Win Stories podcasts. Or she'll hear it and be like, I've got to put them on the roadmap. So it's right now, it's we're researching a lot on our own. When it comes to competitive insights, we actually have a competitive intelligence group here in Pega. And so I am engaged with that team. Before I was on the phone with you, I was actually talking to them about doing a roadmap for the next several months of competitive topics. Yeah. And what do we want to talk about? And how does that map to the way that we're going to market and what some of our competitors are going to be coming out with in future months? So it's very collaborative right now. It is very high touch, right? It's, It's Lauren and I generally going out and getting those stories from folks or asking them what they would want to talk about. And then we parse it through kind of our editorial map, like I said, and then we prep documents. We always make people feel prepared. So we'll do like a Q and A or we'll give them the opportunity to script out as much as they like. And then we get them into the studio. We're very fortunate to have a wonderful recording studio here in our building in Massachusetts, where we can record people either in person or via phone like this. And we lay it down in our, like I said, we have a master producer and editor who then does all of the cool fun work on the back end. And then we package it and post it out onto the onto the app and it's ready to go. Nice. Yeah, I love to hear when people have a legit studio in the office it makes it feel so much more official i think for those who are guest hosting or you know the employees that 
are participating just for that episode. It's an air of legitimacy, for sure. It's, yeah. it's not just sitting around somebody's desk, cuddled around a mic. I mean, it's very serious. We have an amazing creative team I here. Mean, I'm recording from my laptop right now. So. I mean, yeah, I'm standing in my office um, with a headset on. Yeah, And it also just makes you feel like this is a true enterprise program. You know, we are in front of a real mic. We are recording on a real mixing board. And it is like, this is legit. Yeah. So, I mean, I know you guys haven't been up and running for too long, but when you look at, you know, your metrics and just when you hear feedback from those on the sales floor, what kind of format seems to be resonating most with people? Or is there like any sort of trends that you're noticing that you take with you as you plan out these future episodes? Yeah, that's a really good question, Zoe. Right now, we're seeing pretty good steady rate of adoption. There's a good mix, honestly, in content right now. So like I said, we took a lot of our pilot material that we that we did and pushed that into bonus content. So it skews our number a little bit because we had a lot of people listening to that as we were ramping this and trying to figure out how to get it out to our big launch at Sales Kickoff. The competitive chat episodes actually get a lot of traction. I've only been able to get two of them on the app so far. But I have a lot now in my roadmap because the team has a lot of material they want to put out there. And they get quite a few listens. In fact, the most played episode we have is a competitive insight one that I did with one of our directors in that group. And he was very proud today when I announced to him and his peers that he did have the most played episode so far on our Mm -hmm. app. So, you know, I I think in a way, it's not just the salespeople that are competitive, it's our internal people as well. And they were, he was really excited about that. The win stories, I think are really great though, because Lauren does a great job of sourcing account executives with stories from, you know, whether they cover different industries, different types of clients, they have a different approach for how they engage and get those wins. And so I think in some cases in the aggregate, they probably are even more popular than the one episode that I have a huge bump on around competition. But in aggregate, you can see that there's this really nice mix of sellers who are looking to glean insights from their peers in each of those episodes because we she takes a very prescriptive approach. Like each one is very dialed in and there's kind of a theme that runs through it. So that's what we wanted to see. We wanted to see people being able to engage with the content when it was meaningful for them, consume it when they had time. And then the feedback that we've gotten even anecdotally is, oh my God, these are really great. We really love the the length of them too. We try not to make them longer than 25 minutes. They're super insightful. This is exactly what we've been looking for. Keep them coming. You know, and we've now got senior executives who want their own channels and they have, you know, messages they want to get out via podcast to the sales team. So to me, just the energy around it is great. That's what you want. You want to know that the audience that you're creating the content for is actually benefiting from it and they're clamoring for more, which is great. Yeah. So do you have any specific goals that are set in place? We do. So from an adoption goal perspective, we want to top up our licenses. Obviously, we want we got enough so that everybody in our, our field teams can take advantage of the podcast, including their leadership. So we want to get those tapped out. We'd love to get more win stories. You know, for us, it's one thing for us who aren't in the field every day to talk to the sellers. I think it's a completely different paradigm when you have the sellers talking to sellers. If it's somebody who has a really great story from Australia and somebody in Germany can hear it, that's amazing. And they can learn from each other you know, globally. That's really huge. For me, I'd love to get even more dialed in on the competitive side. There's a certain rhythm 
I think, to competitive insights and the things that we want the field to be smart on, depending on, you know, who's releasing this earnings call, who's releasing this product, who's out talking to these customers when when we really want to get in with them. And just getting more alignment for me personally on that rhythm is really important. So that's just a goal for me. And then I think that also helps with relevance to the audience and gives them that sense that, okay, you really understand how I'm out there talking to customers or what I'm seeing from the competition. And you're, again, you're like making it even more intentional with the timing. Right. I know that you guys said that, you know, you were avid podcast listeners before this, but you had it necessarily really been involved in one or hosted one. What advice do you have for others who, you know, are completely new to this, who are about to, you know, host podcasts for the first time, or just any other tips for beginners in general as they get started? Yeah, my amateur expert advice is get comfortable <laughs> with the sound voice, even if you hate it. I am one of those people who really hates hearing myself talk, despite as much talking as I'm doing today. I don't like listening to myself back. <laughs> I don't like watching myself on camera. It's yeah. very uncomfortable. But you just have to get comfortable with that. I think we're all a little like that. Yeah, you can't overthink it. I think that's the other really key thing is like, listen to yourself, understand your vocal rhythm. It's different when you're recording than it is when you're just speaking. And so I try really hard to slow down. When I talk normally, it's a 2x speed. You know, you listen to podcasts at double speed. That's what I sound like normally. Yeah. <laughs> I write everything out. So some people are really good with bullets and then they fill in the blanks. For me right now, I do a full script for my questions. That way I feel more comfortable. I'll rehearse it myself several times and out loud so that I can hear how it sounds. And then I'll go back and maybe reword it so that it doesn't sound written, that it just sounds conversational. So I think that's another thing. So top three takeaways, be comfortable listening to your own voice, even if you don't love it. Write down as much as you can and rehearse it so that it sounds conversational instead of scripted out or written down. And just go slow and just have confidence that you'll figure it out. To me, that was the most important thing was I'm not going to sound like John Favreau and Tommy Vitor. like. Those are the podcasts I listen to. They've been doing this now for several years. They've got it nailed. I'm still figuring it out. So I want to get to that point. And with that, you know, quick adaptability on the fly, but it takes time and reps. So just put in the reps. And I think also, you know, know your content is really important. Awesome. And then also just going back to the beginning, when you were looking for a way to reach sales members where they were on the go. Were you looking at any other solutions besides podcasting or were you were you guys pretty certain that this is a good route to take? Really good question. I was pretty set on podcasts, to be perfectly transparent. In my previous company, I had worked a lot with salespeople as well. And it was something that we had always tried to explore, but it was a larger company. There were more hurdles to jump through from a security, privacy, intellectual property perspective. And so it was really hard to get that one over the line. When I came to PEG as a smaller company, a little more agile, and we were thinking about how do we do something really great to engage with the field, I, Lauren and I, I think we're in the same meeting when we were thinking about re-architecting, you know, how do we, how do we get content out to them that's really consumable? And it was almost like the simultaneous light bulb came on and we're like, what about podcasts? We'd love to do podcasts. And from there, for us, it was just kind of the shared mission. How do we get this off the ground? Who should we engage with internally? What vendor should we go with? What kind of shows would we want to do? 
is there appetite in the field for this? And so we just set off on this, like on this project to make it happen because we were both, we both felt based on our, her experience as a salesperson and my experience working very closely with salespeople, that this would meet that need, that they weren't getting met in the current enablement and communication structure. And so that was really where it took off. It was, it was like, we already have all of these other mechanisms, but this was a hole that needed to be filled and podcasts felt like it absolutely the right medium for that. And when you say like going back to the whole process, you know, figuring out the vendors to use and all that, as far as a platform to distribute, were you guys looking at anyone else besides Studio? I'm just curious. We were. We did look at several vendors. We, I mean, being a software company, we considered building it internally, to be frank. Yeah. And we talked to the development team and they said, you know, we can... We can build everything on the back end, but an actual podcasting app, you're probably better going with the experts who have enterprise podcasting functionality, and then we can integrate with them. So that was the decision that was made, especially since we wanted to go to market on this pretty quickly. We didn't want to spend months and months and months swirling around potential solutions when right. when what we looked at from what U Studio could provide us the way that you know you guys support secure transfer files everything's everything's locked and loaded and ready to go and then we have our own internal branding within the app i mean it just felt like it was absolutely met all of the all the things we were looking for and then some so you know to go fast and to get this off the ground working with U Studio was absolutely the right decision well, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you'd want to share as far as like your plan this first year? I mean, I know you spoke about how you'd eventually like it to evolve, but if there's anything else you'd like to share, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I think you know, just for anybody that's listening that's sensitive to can podcasts work internally, I would say start with the users that you know are on the road the most. And generally, that's going to be your sales organization (laughs) and figure out a way to create content and experience with podcasts that will help them be more effective in their jobs. That was ultimately the goal for Lauren and I. It wasn't just we want to do podcasts because they're cool. They are. But we really wanted the user benefit to be exponentially greater than the benefit that they were getting from the existing structure. Not that it wasn't good, but we knew that we could do something better. Right. So I think as we keep evolving this and growing it, like I said, we've got a lot of interest now of other people from around the business that want to participate, that want to contribute material to podcasts, that want to reach the field that way. We've had people actually say, I would love it for my business group. How do I get a podcast going for this organization within Pega? And we're like, whoa, let us, we'll just get the sales organization fully on board, bought mm-hmm. in and consuming content. And then we can figure out how we scale. And then at that point, we all will be pros. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Maybe we'll even get another host or two to join us um, so people can get diversification of voices mm-hmm. in their ears. Well, awesome. This was really helpful. And it was um, really interesting just for me to hear more about what everyone's doing. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem, Zoe. Thank you. Today, we are excited to have Lauren Shanley from Pegasystems with us. So Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Zoe. I recently saw a post on LinkedIn that I think either you or just the Pegasystems account had posted. And, you know, it seems like you had, you guys had already received some amazing feedback and just had made some good progress in just 
I think only one week after launching your podcast. So I just would love to hear more about your story into podcasting and hopefully just more about your content strategy that could could benefit others. So if you'd like to start us off, I'd love to learn more just about your background and um, your role over at Pegasystems. Sure. Yeah. So I am currently in sales strategy and transformation at Pega. My background is I've been in enterprise software for going on eight years now, which makes me feel old to say. But I started my career at another software company and then moved over to Pega. Uh, It'll be two years in March. So when I initially moved over to Pega, I was an account executive or a field-facing salesperson. And then as we were building on our sales strategy team and growing, I saw the opportunity to move back into strategy, which is really where my heart and soul is. And We specifically had our sales strategy and transformation group formed all around figuring out ways to help our salespeople sell better, faster, and more effectively. So everything under that scope, which is quite a broad scope, falls into my team's lap. Um, I have a few other team members that work with me. But Tiffany and I, I know you've interviewed Tiffany, but the two of us have really taken on communications. We're big believers that... We need to reach the salespeople where they are and not create more diversions, not create more email traffic. And so we saw a great opportunity for podcasts. And I can delve into that story, but that's that's my background going into this. Oh, awesome. As someone who used to work as, you know, a field-facing salesperson, you understood this the struggles of working in the field, of being on the sales team. So What do you remember that you, if anything, that you took with you when it comes to, you know, now in your new role, working on how companies communicate with sales? Like, were there any pain points you remember experiencing as a salesperson that relates to internal communication that you were like, this is why we need to do podcasting? Of course, of course. I think the two most important things that I realized were, one, that salespeople are on the road all the time, right? You're never really supposed to be sitting in front of your laptop all day, every day. And so you're boarding planes, you're getting on trains, you're driving your car around. And there's a lot of that downtime where you have opportunity to listen to content, but you don't necessarily want to open up your laptop, log on to a secure system, anything like that. So that really gave us the opportunity to look into podcasts as a medium for that. And then the second thing is that everyone has different schedules, right? A lot of times you are traveling Monday through Thursday, but sometimes you are traveling on Friday. You're really at the will of your customers and clients and prospects to get meetings and get meeting times. So no week ever looks the same for when you're out in the field as an account executive. So that played into that as well as the fact that we're an internationally growing company and there's no really good time to span all the regions all the way from Sydney, Australia, to San Francisco, California, it's hard to get everyone on a call at the same time. And so just allowing the salespeople to really have access to listen to the content whenever you want to be able to consume it. So if you're getting up at 6am and working out and want to listen to it on your run, or if you're driving in between, you know, customer visits at noon on your lunch hour, that's an opportunity to listen to it. So those were the two real big drivers for us um, looking into using Studio and using a podcast to communicate out to our salespeople. Awesome. And, you know, as someone who has been in the industry for a while, in your opinion, what are the biggest ways that you think just sales enablement in general has really changed over 
the past few years? Yeah, I think our, um, (laughs) it's funny, I think our attention spans have gotten shorter. There's now this thing where I have trouble even sitting through a 20 minute Netflix episode sometimes without touching my phone, right? Our attention's being grabbed by so many different things and so many, and I think that applies very much so to just business in general, right? We're now in a world where tweets are 140 to 280 characters, where you can quickly do a LinkedIn post, you can quickly listen to a podcast. So I think that ease and accessibility is certainly a big part of it, but it's this ability to consume something on a mobile phone, whether that's being able to read an email on a single screen without scrolling, being able to uh, listen to a podcast for a 20-minute commute, those two things tie together very neatly where it's something that we do live on our phones. We want things very quickly and consumable while also being able to do something that isn't going to require a whole lot of time. Nobody likes to sit down and sit through six hours of dry e-learning content. And I think the other thing, and this is what we've attacked in our podcast, is that people really want to learn from other people in their position. So the channel that I do with our podcast is all around interviewing account executives out there on deals that they've won and how, where we can derive best practices from that, where we can derive the repeatability. And it's had a much more empathetic effect on the account executives and their enablement than just presenting, hey, you should do X, Y, and Z to close a deal. When somebody's saying, hey, I did X, Y, and Z, and I did close a deal, then it just has that bigger impact than you would think. Yeah. And Tiffany was telling me a little bit about that last week too, how just how awesome the win stories have been for you guys as far as feedback. What is the process for someone who maybe wants to share their story and speak on a podcast? What is that process as far as your planning sake? Or how do you find the people to interview? Or how do you know that they will have a good story to tell? Absolutely. So we've made it pretty simple. Um, When we first did our trial episodes before we released to our general population, I actually went and interviewed a bunch of people and said, who do you think, without thinking, who do you think the best account executives at PEGA are? And it really was about three to five people that were consistent answers. And so I reached out to three of those people that I felt like we had heard from a little bit on existing enablement, but hadn't really tapped into yet and recorded episodes with them so that when we did finally release those episodes out to everyone, it was people that had the name recognition of somebody that had was really successful at PEGA and was the definition of a successful account executive at PEGA. Um, since then, what our process is, is we, now that we've rolled it out to our entire field, it's a nomination process. So there are emails I'll get from our managers or our VPs or really anyone in the company that says, hey, this was a really exciting win. I think they'd be a good candidate for your podcast. From there, I kind of do a little bit of research, but mostly I just reach out to the account executive and say, hey, you know, you were nominated. Are you interested? And I'd say 70% of the time they are. Uh, 30% of the time they don't think it's a good fit or it's not something we can really talk about publicly. And so after they agree to do it, I set up a 30-minute discovery call, which is kind of hard to do because I don't like to interrupt people, but it's really just 30 minutes of back and forth. I ask them to explain to me how they won the deal. And I really just dig in and ask questions that I kind of want to get that detail. And then from there, I just take all my notes that I've taken from that call and I distill it into about five to seven questions, depending on the angle we want to take in the podcast and send that over to the account executive, make sure I'm not missing anything 
And in doing that, we're able to have those five to seven questions really focus in on one or two best practices. We're not trying to tell a 40-minute story. We're trying to have these be 10 to 20-minute episodes that somebody could listen to three or four of if they wanted to, but could also listen to one and just be done for the day. So that's that's really our process. And then we simply just record. Um, I have the account executive listen and make sure that they're good to go. And if they want anybody else to get approval before it goes out, we do that. But it's a pretty simple process. And I tried to do it that way so that the burden of research is on me and not the account executive because we want them to do it. And so right now it's basically an hour of their time that they have to spend. Whereas for me and doing the research and whatnot, probably takes two to three hours per episode. Yeah. And I love the idea of a nomination process just because I'm sure also those you know, who are doing the nominating, they want to hear the story that ends up being produced. And I'm sure that helps get more listeners. You know, everyone loves to listen to their friends talk. And I think that's a great story. Exactly. And everyone likes to promote their own episodes. So that helps as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I know that you guys used to have a webinar program. I think now it's the it's on a monthly cadence. So how would you say planning content for a podcast differs from planning out content for a webcast? Yeah. So we did have a monthly or excuse me, we had a weekly webcast that was happening at 9am Eastern time every Friday. Obviously some of the reasons I've already talked about, we've narrowed that down to one. And I think it's different because one of the things that we really want to focus on in our podcast is this aspect of storytelling in trying to understand how a deal happens from beginning to end or how we got to from point A to point B using a best practice. Whereas the webinar has now become a visually aided medium for us to use. So being in software, we have a lot of product updates. We have a lot of different internal tools that we need to do some enablement around. And so the webinars now, we're now able to dedicate a lot more time to those topics that need visual aids on the webinar, whereas we're allowed to just really focus in on telling a story on the podcast. And I think that's something that I'm certainly passionate about. I think in sales, if you can tell a story as opposed to just spitting out a bunch of facts, it resonates with your audience a lot more. And so I'm really passionate about enabling our field to be able to do that. And so being able to do that on the podcast is kind of killing two birds with one stone. But that's really how we divide between how we use the webinar now, um, which is one of those things where you do have to open your laptop. You do have to watch in addition to the audio versus the podcast episodes, which at the moment are just audio only. Yeah. and. Do you guys have an editorial calendar or anything as far as planning things out in advance? And is that, again, different than how you were planning out the webcasts? Yeah, so it certainly made us more organized. I'll say it that way. Because you had that call every Friday, we kind of would scramble to have content. We'd scramble to fill a whole hour of an agenda sometimes. I mean, sometimes we wouldn't be scrambling. We'd have too much to cover. But now we're able to plan, like I said, plan those visual aids out since they're happening once a month. You're able to rehearse a lot more with the presenters as opposed to you know rehearsing on a Wednesday for a Friday morning call. So it's become a more refined process for the webinar. And then with the podcast, obviously, you have total editorial control over that. But we are starting to build out. One of the things that we want to be careful about is that we don't turn this into propaganda, right? We want this to be something that the sales wants to listen to their peers. So we're going to interview their peers. We're not going to just say, okay, in the month of February, we're going to talk about this topic. 
But there certainly are episodes that, you know, I want to be focused on earlier in the year as people are planning out, you know, focused around discovering opportunities and identifying opportunities. Whereas later in the year, we might focus on negotiating as you get closer to the end of the year where we do the bulk of our business and closing. So in that sense, we do have an editorial calendar or I'll know that in some cases we have a part one and part two to episodes, making sure that those get released in the same month and things like that. But for the most part, we're letting it kind of happen naturally and let topics that the field really wants to hear or wins that they really want to hear about rise to the surface. Awesome. So I apologize if you spoke on this earlier, but I know you mentioned the the pilot program that you guys had initially made. So how did you decide like who to involve in that program and how long did it last before you determined we can do this? We know what we're doing. It's time to move forward with launching. Sure. Well, even after the trial program, we were still nervous about launching. I'll say that. And as a lesson for everyone out there, like you can do as much trialing as you want to. It's still nerve wracking to release it to a thousand people versus, you know, a group of 20 to 30. Right. But yeah, we did choose 20 to 30 people from all different roles. Um, Some people from enablement, some people from our leadership team, some people from the field. And it was really just word of mouth. Um, Like I said, my background is in sales at Pega. And so it was a few friendlies and people that I knew were going to be really honest with me and actually listen to the episodes and actually were really passionate about moving to this medium. So we ran it for about a month. I sent it to them with very explicit instructions. And actually, I probably shouldn't use the word explicit. I sent them four questions um, (laughs) that were like, as you're listening to these, because I wanted it to be simple. I wanted them to do it, right? I didn't want to have this whole survey of, you know, what can we change, things like that. So I got a lot of really good feedback and I got a lot of, um, you know, changes that they'd make that some we incorporated in and some we were like, "Mm, nope, not necessarily what we'll do at this point. But it was all like really well received. And so after that, it was really just about amping up our campaign to release it and making sure that we had enough bandwidth to do something like this on a bi-monthly basis and make sure that we were going to have enough content to release and we wouldn't be scrambling any month, every month. But once we announced that we were going with it, I went from having like four or five AEs that I was reaching out to, to having almost 20 that are now on my slate to be interviewed and recorded. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. It was great. I mean, you talked about being nervous. What hesitations, (laughs) if any, did you have just maybe even before the pilot program, just when you were exploring options of how to better reach your salespeople? Like what worries did you have about the medium of podcasting? Um, One, we worried about access and people being able to download it, understanding how to download it, understanding how to log in, um, especially being remote. I was less worried about people being on the corporate Wi-Fi in our headquarters and being able to access it that way. But if it's too hard to download and it's too hard to consume and it's too hard to you know be able to listen to on a plane without Wi-Fi, they're just not going to do it. And it's something that we wanted to make very easy, which we did. We created a document that literally shows you click by click what to do. And not that Studio is hard to download whatsoever. We just were so nervous that people would try once and it wouldn't work and they'd give up. We had no problems with that. There are very few people that reached out to us having trouble and it was an easy fix. And in most cases, it was just that they we hadn't given them a seat yet. So that ended up being really simple, but that was a big worry of ours. 
The other worry was just that it's a new, that we've been doing this Friday webinar forever, literally for years. And I think there's like almost 500 in a row that we've done. So you do the math on that. That's almost 10 years of doing this every Friday thing. So people are really built into that cadence and really just understand that Friday at 9 a.m. There's this webinar. And if I can't make it, then I have to listen to the recording. So it is a big change and a shift for people. It's always just nerve wracking to, you know, one of the things they had asked for was less of them. But then once you take it away, is the grass always greener? Are they going to actually listen to the podcast? So it turned out that the answer was yes, but still there were there were moments in the days before we released it to the general public that we were nervous mostly about those two things and a few other things, but those were the two primary concerns that ended up not being concerns at all. But 90% of the things you worry about never happen. So there you go. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, it seems like with the success you guys have had, everyone seems to be adapting to the change well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's because, you know, we did do a major push at our sales kickoff event. I had a help desk down there. Our signage was everywhere. It was mentioned in almost every keynote by our leadership team. We had a contest for AirPods um, if they downloaded and listened to an episode by a certain date. So we did do incentives around it, but it's been really incredible to see that we've had over 50% user adoption in the two weeks since we rolled it out, which is pretty incredible for the amount of seats that we have. And do you think a big part of that is just because of the content itself. They're just loving hearing this content in a storytelling format. I think not to pat myself on the back too, too much, um, (laughs) but I think between Tiffany and I, we've really tapped into the two areas that have been traditionally hard to enable people on. One is, you know, understanding our customers and where we've had success and how we can repeat that success. And the other, which is Tiffany's show that she, you know, that she interviews people for is this competitive intelligence. And so understanding how to compete with some of the other software vendors that we see out in the field and having some tips and tricks for our account executives as they pursue deals. So I think it's just content that they've asked for that we haven't really delved into at this level of detail before that they're really responding to well and feeling like it's things that they actually want to learn as opposed to, you know, some of the the things that we'd build into the webinar agenda when we had time to buffer for them. Awesome. How do you plan to measure success? So what metrics are most important to you? Is it just like the amount of people that's listening? What do you look at when you it's time to look at your analytics? Yeah. So we mostly look at two things. Um, One, how many downloads we have, because that normally means that they're listening to them offline. And then obviously the amount of plays that we have. And when I say plays, we look at it by unique user as well. You know, I'm sure there's a few people out there that do listen to episodes a few times over. Um, But those are the two that we really focus on. I, I always have an interest in shares and likes because I think that helps us determine if people are finding it really useful, they'll share it with somebody else or they'll like it so they can come back to it. So I'm interested in those. Our executive team is less interested in those. And then I think as we move forward, we'll start to look at when people are listening to these. We chose Tuesday as a release day just because there's no holiday that falls on a Tuesday. So you never have to move it off of a Monday or a Friday. And Tuesday is the middle of the week for the international folks. And because it's Wednesday morning for them and it's, you know, People are starting to travel or in the midst of their travels in weeks for any salesperson. So we just kind of chose that based on those factors. But 
I think as we move forward, it'll, it'll be interesting to see when people are consuming them um, and see if we need to tweak that as well. Awesome. How would you personally like the program to scale? And, you know, if you're already thinking about, you know, growing the program or thinking about what strategy would be best for this to scale successfully, like what does your plan look like? How, how are you guys thinking you're going to do that? Yeah. And I think I have goals and then I think there are other goals within the organization. So speaking for myself, you know, I'd really like for our entire company to have this tool right now. We're just doing a very small subset of our company. I think there's an opportunity for everyone to have their own channels. We're a company that consumes a lot of content from a perspective of having If you're a salesperson, sometimes you want to learn what the business officers, which are essentially our lawyers who help in negotiation, what they're talking about. But we never want to force that on somebody. And so I think this tool, if we were to expand out to the rest of our community within Pega, you know, we'd be able to say, if you are interested in learning more about this topic, like here's a podcast, go ahead and listen to it. You don't have to necessarily be in that role or be in that distribution list to listen to it. And so I think it'll help us identify cross-functionally where there are some missing gaps or where there's a desire for content. So that's my main goal. But right now we're just focused on slowly adding channel by channel. We have three new channels actually that people have already thought about and are starting to ruminate about. So that's really exciting because we already have three channels now. So that's where I'd like to see the growth is like really expanding out to have different roles be involved in different parts of the creation of their own content that others can consume and learn more. That's awesome. As someone who hadn't necessarily hosted podcasts before, what advice do you have for others who are looking to get started or just might be hesitant about making the leap to the podcasting program? So I have a background as a journalist and the advice that I always get is that actually this was advice that was given to me when I first started and was a little nervous was that always try to ask a question that's not Googleable. Um, and by that, it's dig into how somebody felt about something, dig into how something unique or something. And one of the things, one of the ways I get people to open up is I first ask them to just talk about themselves and their career. And then at the end, I always ask the same question, which is one, one piece of advice would you give to somebody? And I think as long as you have those two One, it allows people to really open up and not feel so nervous about being recorded, but just telling back to my point about telling a story. And then the second thing is, it's a lot easier to have a script when you're bookending with like, start me at the beginning. And then at the end, like, tell me what you've learned. The story in between kind of starts to flow naturally when you bookend with those two questions. But other than that, I mean, really truly have fun with it. At the end of the day, we're all humans and we want to listen to other humans. It's literally (laughs) like having a conversation, you know, in any conversation, you're just curious about asking a question and getting an answer back. And same thing, like somebody asking you a question and giving an answer back. So it's nothing to be nervous about. There's always the power of editing, especially on podcasts. So just go for it and practice, practice, practice. Um, you learn so much more about yourself and how you interview after doing a, a first few trial episodes, which is why we did the trial episodes. But now it's pretty much smooth sailing. So don't be afraid is I guess the end sentence I'll leave you on is don't be afraid. Awesome. And then I'm just like thinking of these questions as as they come, as you keep talking, I keep thinking of more, but I'm just curious, have you guys ever experimented with video podcast shows? 
We have not. And right now, because we do have that distinction between using a webinar and our existing webinar tool for video versus, you know, using for audio only things, just using the podcasting channels. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I was just, just curious because I hadn't heard that being talked about. Well, thank you. I think I have a lot of great info to work with, but if there's anything else you'd like to share, feel free. Yeah, I would just say that the U Studio team has been awesome. Every single question that we had and every single fear that we had ended up being something we shouldn't have been nervous about. And the customer service aspect of, of the company has just been phenomenal. So it's been a really great experience. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you, Zoe. I've really appreciated this. 